Hi everyone, I'm Yasin Skali and welcome to this new season of Entrepreneur Talks, Station Nev's official podcast. Twice per month, we will offer an exclusive conversation with one great entrepreneur or personality. Together, we will analyze the keys to their success and understand the different struggles our guests faced. They will share their tips and the ones they wish they had before launching their own company. Don't hesitate to subscribe, share and leave a 5-star review so we can help democratize entrepreneurship. Enough talking, now sit tight and listen carefully because you're about to get inspired hello everyone this is yasin live from station f the world's biggest startup campus today i am thrilled to propose another a new entrepreneur talks uh, with one great entrepreneur how are you fred yeah very good thanks for having me so are you in a good uh, state of mind for this podcast absolutely Excellent. So I'd like to start first with a, a quick intro and uh, to have a little bit fun. I asked ChatGPT because <laughs> apparently it's uh, it's the, the new trend. Uh, so I, I asked him or her, I don't even know it, let's say, to, uh, to present yourself. So I'm going to read it and you correct chat if this is wrong. So Frédéric Montagnon is a French entrepreneur known for co-founding successful startups in the tech and media industries, uh, including Overblog and Nomao. Good? Yeah. It's, okay. It's a pretty old one, but yeah. He's an investor and advisor to startups, and he is considered one of the most influential figures in the fresh, uh, French sorry, startup scene. He's known for, for his expertise in marketing, product development, and growth strategy. I love your chat, GPT. <laughs> <laughs> all right my presentation i'm gonna give so this is true right this is not complete but this is true mm. okay basic figures seven companies uh one is still live that you're ruling five of them you exited and one is dead mm -hmm. you invested in i think roughly 100 and 150 uh, startups i'm just laughing because i cannot imagine what your days are looking like and um yeah one thing that is really funny is that you started in hardware and today uh you're the co-founder and board member executive board member chairman what's your title of ariane yeah it's a uh, chairman okay mm -hmm. can you tell me so first of all what is ariane and uh we'll go back a little bit on your background but yeah sure uh to to start first uh, i'm having fun this Beyond figures, mm -hmm. th this is what I do. Okay, <laughs> and that's very important. <laughs> so INE is a, is a project uh, that I co-founded a little bit more than five years ago mm -hmm. with the idea of participating to this new wave of Web3. Um, the Web3 is about uh, um, giving the, uh, the opportunity for, uh, for the users of the internet to regain control over their data. And um, the path we, 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 we choose is to help brands uh, to recreate a relation with uh, their customer with no intermediaries and uh, with no personal data inside. So more respectful, by the way, of, uh, of, the, of their users. Um, and we provide the tech to do this and to make sure that in this new paradigm, which is the Web3, mm -hmm. uh, they, can, uh, they can rebuild Uh, a relation direct with uh, with their customers. So it's a new kind of CRM based on NFTs and um, for digital sovereignty. Very, very clear. Um, you started in hardware. You how can, undertook new challenges, I'm going to say, in like uh, ad tech with TEDs, but also uh, medias. And now, so before even uh, NFTs, you were on cryptos. I'm just wondering... Like, what's the common link in all that? So I, I discovered um, what a network is um, back in the time with the Minitel. Mm. So probably that's very Such a long time people. ago. Yeah, it was a long time <laughs> ago. Uh, it was probably one of the first networks um, um, for, for, a wall, uh, for a whole country. Mm -hmm. uh, so at scale. And uh, for me, that, that was really mind-blowing to see how a computer and digital can connect people on the same community um, with, no, with no geography barrier. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a total change and disruption. That, that's the definition of Web2, no? 
It's like connecting people yeah, yeah, absolutely. and interacting. But, but I discovered that with the Minitel back in the time. Okay. And um, uh, if I exclude the, um, the, the hardware part of uh, my experience, the rest of my career as an entrepreneur and, and a lot of investment I made was dedicated to, um, uh, to build um, product and technologies in mm-hmm. order to uh, connect people and to make sure they can, uh, they can exchange ideas, publish opinions um, in this network. And that was uh, for the first part. So I, I was definitely involved into the, the first uh, Web 2.0 uh, mm-hmm. part. Um, and at one point, um, when you see how the, uh, the, the internet is built, it's built of platform. And by the way, those platforms help the growth of the internet of, and the adoption mm-hmm. of the internet from the, uh, the user side because it's totally um, um, it make frictionless the, um, the capability to publish and, and read information at mm-hmm. scale. So platforms were really useful for this, this uh, uh, step of the internet. But at one point, centralization of personal data, centralization of all the activities on, on a very uh, limited number of platforms uh, create new problems and, and new friction like uh, data leaking, all, the, all the, the, the problems related to your privacy. And I think that we need a new version of the internet that uh, try to solve these problems. And the solution for me is to put in the end of the users their data, where today it's mainly stored and custodied by the platform. And um, this is the common point and, and, um, to all your activities. and all the, the connection mm-hmm. with the different activities. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I'm really fan of, um, fan, I don't know, I'm very passionate about uh, sharing opinions, information, knowledge online. Um, I consider that the, the internet and the network is, um, is us connecting our brain to the same network and mm-hmm. to, 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 and that creates a lot of value and a lot of new capabilities, possibilities. But at the same time, we need to make sure that the network we use is neutral as much as possible and can be set up the way we want it to, to be set up. And I think that today, and we can talk about ChatGPT, by the way, uh, for this, uh, today we we have no leverage, we have no power on the platform we use and, and the very low level uh, of infrastructure we use uh, just because this uh, part of the infrastructure are owned by a limited number of companies and those companies are governed by a small number of people mm-hmm. which are investors, entrepreneurs, but they don't represent uh, the user that they are trying they to... They have uh, their own interests. Absolutely. We, we will get back to that on the, the second part. So basically, just uh, to, to, to explain how these next 45 minutes are going to go, uh, I'd love first to understand, like, why did you start as an entrepreneur? So this is like basically the f- next 10 minutes we, we will talk about uh, how you went from a, a student to basically being an entrepreneur two years after you graduated. Second part is definitely going to be about Web3 and how Web3 well, little spoiler, can answer uh, to all the, the, the pains that you just listed. And the last part, and I said that you invested in 150 plus startups, because I'm pretty sure and counting. Uh, I'd love to have your views on that, uh, especially as an you know, early stage um, investor. So let's get back to entrepreneurship first. As I said, you, gra- you graduated in 2000. You so you went to Altron to another company. I'm sorry, I forgot it's the name, but you were, yeah. you were designing um, hardware there, and then uh, you started as an entrepreneur in the hardware industry, uh, which is really funny because you were saying that you were developing a tech that I'm using at the moment uh, to record the podcast. So basically, my question is, why, like. There is this why you you wanted to be an entrepreneur, and it's also this question of how. How back in in two thousand uh, was it seen to become an entrepreneur? To um, I think you 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 come from a, an engineering background. Uh, why didn't you just you know went to big corporations, earn a good salary, and live a normal and happy life? <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. The, uh, back in the time, uh, being an entrepreneur was not uh, was not fashioned. Not all. sexy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It was neutral, by the way. It was not. Uh, uh, 
either fashion or or uh, or uh, bad thing, but uh, it not, was not trendy. Fun. You mean it was not trendy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that it was it was very an instinct to um, to uh, to to be a part of a team building something from, from scratch. Maybe because I, I am an engineer first, I like to build things. I like to understand what I build, why I build it, and I like to uh, to start from zero. And the, um, the 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 environment where you are just some people joining um, and, and sharing the same vision to to build something mm-hmm. is uh, for me uh, the the what makes me happy when I am when I'm at work. Okay. So. It's it's very the instinct to uh, to go for this 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 format of uh, of company, and by the way, I studied. Um, uh, it was just an internship, but I I did it uh, at Philips, which is a very large corporation, and 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 definitely I, I I understood at Philips that I was not designed to fit this kind of uh, large scale company, mm-hmm. and right after that, I went to Sirpac, which was. One of the very few startup uh, in in France, possibly in in the telco industry, mm-hmm. and um, and it was a fit for me. So the the, the size, the spirit, uh, the having th- those people dedicated to uh, to try to to build a product that doesn't exist. So it was like the mission, but was it also human wise? You know, both. like okay, both. yeah, yeah, both, both, uh, and definitely the mission um, came after, but. Uh, but the, the just be, being being a group of people trying to solve problem together, and and sharing the, the same ambition to do it by yourself, is something I like. Okay, is it something that sometimes, because you co-founded several companies, uh, I'm just trying to you know take that step back when people try to implement a, a culture. Is it something that goes beyond what you expected some uh, at some point? Yeah, 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 you're right. It's it's exactly uh, the, the what I like. And uh, and by the way, when you um, uh, when you start building something, when you start doing something, and you have a, a real ambition to to achieve what you what you want, you go beyond your your first target all the time. And this is what is exciting. So you start with a tiny tiny project, and mm-hmm. uh, if you have the room to do it and, and and the possibility to do it, you will go further and further and further. Very, very much understood. Uh, and doubling down on that, you said before, basically, like what I understood is that connecting people, sharing, interacting is something that was really important for you. Would you be able today or even back in the days to be a developer, you know, uh, just in front of your screen and not talking to anyone? I used to be one. Did you, yeah. did you have fun in that? Um Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, I started um, coding very early in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like to understand how the thing works deeply. Um, I'm an engineer, you know. <laughs> I'm passionate by, by the tech and, and I want to understand how it works. Now what I realized really uh, rapidly in, um, in my career was that you have two worlds generally. You, you have really the tech world and you have... Uh, industries and you have uh, all these people who need the mm-hmm. technology and uh, this is the gap between those two uh, the supply and demand maybe um, where where I know how to 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 uh, to, to answer uh, the question and how I know how to to make those two world connect and match um, and match because I like to understand deeply how the, the tech work but I I need to know why I'm building a tech so you, yeah. you know how to talk to technical people, but you know also how to um, listen. Yeah. No, no, more yeah. than listen <laughs> is also like bring the real value on a business sense rather than just the innovation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like talking. But it's to the probably two sides. because I'm not the best developer and I'm probably not the best sell, but in the middle I know how to match those expectation. Understood. Your sweet spot. Um, we're going to talk about stuff that are a little bit less funny. I'm just <laughs> going to talk about one thing is your biggest fail in your entrepreneurial journey. I don't know if it's a learning, if it's a fail per se, maybe like if it's a learning, it's not a fail, but pretty much up to you uh, to tell us what you, you learned. 
yeah generally speaking the the i think that you fail when you lack of humility uh so you fail when you you are convinced you, you're always convinced by what you do otherwise you you don't work on a startup mm -hmm. but you also need to uh to 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 get the signals uh, around you and to be able to um to correct your direction and, and to and to adapt and this is when you are not listening to the market not listening to the people around you and and you lack of humility because you think you are you're right where everyone is wrong mm -hmm. in front of you it's where you you fail and um that happened to you yeah it, it, it happens all the time okay um probably one thing um um, one company I founded was called Secret Media, and we tried to um, to solve the problem of ad blocking. And um, we we thought because we we knew exactly how the ad blockers work, we knew exactly how the the advertising works, mm -hmm. um, and we found a solution, a technical solution to uh, to make sure that uh, we can we can pass through an ad blocker. And, and recover a part of the advertising, uh, blah, blah, blah. So I will not go deep in, inside this, um, this project, but we found a solution. And, um, and we were so convinced that the way we are doing it was right, that we, um, we have not um, listened to uh, some small signals that, that could have warned us that uh, some other problems Will be in front of us if we just solve this part of the of the problem, and finally, uh, yeah, the, we uh, we failed mm -hmm. because when we we started scaling the the business, uh, we we were in front of new problems that was were impossible to to be solved. But you you realize at this point that those problems you could have identified them through weak signals way before. Yeah. And the and the real issue was the lack of humility. That's what you're saying. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think we failed because we tried to build a business mm -hmm. in in a space where we already uh, built a business. And I say we because I uh, I, I I founded different companies with with the same co-founder, and uh, this one was um, was with uh, Julien Romanetto. With I co-founded all the companies with him. Uh, from from the start, and uh, we say I of course, and um, and because we we were starting a new company in the ad tech industry that we uh, uh, we we thought we we know by heart, um, I think we failed because we were not naive enough, and at the same time we uh, we we thought we knew exactly what to do, and we didn't realize that the market changed extremely rapidly. And if you want to take the same recipe that you use five, 10 years ago to do another business in the same industry today, for sure, what was the, the, uh, the key tricks uh, for success 10 years ago it's are now probably yeah. a commodity for everyone. And this is not where you will get an edge on the market. So my answer to that is uh, you have to change subjects all the time. <laughs> No, no, I love the fact also that you said you need to be a bit naive. And we've seen so many great, uh, you know, success stories of founders that don't come from this background and mm. said, we got there because we didn't know what you expect. And that's like how you ask basic questions and maybe find a good pain, a good problem to solve. My last question about entrepreneurship is something that you told me before. You said, you know, in 2023, um, so you, Fred, believe that founders should not seek for the basic product mar market fit. So basically what you learn in Entrepreneurship 101. And now you said they should seek for this environment market fit. What the beep is <laughs> environment <laughs> market fit. I say I'm going to try to not be rude in this podcast. Well, I think that um, entrepreneurship needs to, to, entrepreneurship is about solving problems. And uh, for every uh, time and, uh, and, and generation, you have different challenges, different problems to solve. Um, we probably used to have a lot to build 
in the, the digital industry um, in terms of product, infrastructure, and um, for, for the past 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And now we reach a point where I think that products and new products and new marketplaces and new, I don't know why, um, is just uh, a commodity. And if we really want to go beyond what was already solved, and if we really want to solve the problem we have today, we need first um, to, to think about more connecting those worlds with, um, with other dimension, like uh, democracy, like environment for sure, like uh, uh, all the regulation, all the, um, the framework of the, of the countries. We see the regulation rising really fast with more and more regulation, more and more constraints. But the reason for that is just because the, even though technology is, is, is a very good thing and I really believe in, in technology to solve problems, mm -hmm. at the same time, we need to, to create constraints and to, and to put limits and boundaries not to do any, everything in, in a, remember the, 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 the mantra for Google. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't be evil. So it was an intention from the founder back in the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, now th this is a mantra that totally disappears back in 2018, just because they realized that it was not aligned uh, with um, the culture and the, the new and the, needs. And um, the thing is, uh, we have to not to be evil, of course. But I think that um, uh, at this stage of the, the digital of the internet, we need to find a way uh, to make sure that people can't be evil. We need to, to find a way to redesign um, uh, the, the technologies to make sure that the, the, the artificial intelligence will not um, go beyond what we want this, this technology to do and to make sure that uh, we create the, the right framework for the, for the technology to really solve problems and not only to be the best products and to be the more profitable products. And uh, we, we have new rules. And, uh, and for me, and as an entrepreneur, if you want to, um, uh, to, to, um, to participate to the development of the world in 2023, uh, you need to think about having a fit, not only with your customers and with your users, but also with all the environments. So like the whole bunch of stakeholders, uh, people that you will impact very indirectly, yes. like, okay, I got it. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that basically before we were trying to launch a product to respond to uh, one specific use yes. and you were trying to maximize the profit of it. Mm. Now you're saying that when you innovate, you need to have the whole impact that you have on the whole world. And if this is going to decrease your profits on the short term, you still need to do it for the long-term stake. I'm pretty uh, optimistic about that. I think that if you want to attract the best talent people, talented people, you need to have a very good mission, good design. Uh, you need to, um, to present to the market something that is very virtuous. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, even though the short-term business model is not the most profitable, and the most explosive, I really believe that for the long term, the company uh, who will sustain their business model and, and exist in 10, 20 years will be the one who are designed not only to make as much profit as possible, because at one point you are in the position of a Facebook or a Google that people hate. Mm -hmm. And if they hate it, they will not be able to sustain their business model for sure, because they will not be able to attract the most talented people. and if an alternative pop-ups somewhere, they will lose users. So um, I really believe that today uh, we need to think about more than a market fit and more than a good product, but also an impact for the product and for the mission that goes beyond just uh, this uh, solving some very short-term problems. That's very clear, but this is the great transition to Web3. Um, I don't know when the, 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 the technology of blockchain was created, but uh, I think the first Bitcoin was back in 2009. Mm -hmm. You founded LGO and then Oriani. So LGO uh, was more like a, an exchange for cryptos. 
Yeah, for institutional investors. Insti yeah. Okay, and then, Oriani, I'm just wondering, how did you become an expert of Web3? I'm passionate. I don't know if I'm an I knew you <laughs> was about to say, oh, I'm not an expert. I can tell everyone you are an expert. Otherwise, who's the expert? No one has a PhD in Web3 yet. So Web3 is pretty recent. So uh, That's why. No. Um, <laughs> when I moved to New York uh, in 2011, 12, 12, mm -hmm. um, I was trying to network and to meet people. And uh, I discovered one of the very first Bitcoin meetup back in the time. And I participated to this meetup. I think there were 20 people in the room in the, in the, Who were the know, people? In, the, in a restaurant <laughs> in Chinatown. So it was very random, uh, not random, or, not random, or what? passion people. <laughs> okay. And uh, most of them were real anarchists. So that was okay. uh, the first time I, I met this kind of crowd. And I was um, very um, amazed by the 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 energy of the people gathering about around the technology and they really believed way before me that this was the technology to get more freedom and a more digital sovereignty uh for the, the same same keyword and um from a technical perspective what what caught my attention at that time was people were trying to align the interests of users with builders. So basically the people who are designing code and uh, mm -hmm. um, on the same technology um, and, and trying to create the framework for a distribution of the governance okay. of, um, of an information system. So the, 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 the problem was who was holding the data? At the, at the time. And yeah, was... and money is data. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that, that's the first application. Well, data is money, I don't know in which way. But... In a digital world, <laughs> your money is personal data. And, uh, but even before the money, it was, it was really the governance. How you make, you, you create the condition for a, a system to be uh, governed by the users or at least not centralized uh, in terms of, of power. Mm -hmm. and, and this was my starting point. So it has nothing to do with blockchain at first, nothing to do with cryptocurrency, uh, whatever. It's more the concept that uh, that was really my that caught my attention. But and it's one of the of the, the 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 benefits of blockchain, though. No. Yeah, sure. So now that it's fully decentralized, goal, yeah. yeah. To achieve this goal, uh, a blockchain is on, is one solution. Okay. Um, and and this was uh, how I started my journey in. Uh, in this world, and then I, I followed all the developments of Bitcoin, then other coins and, and other projects uh, until the day I decided to uh, go for uh, for creating my own project in this uh, in this um, space. Mm -hmm. um, but the, to go back to your question, how I started, and uh, it, it was definitely I saw at that time uh, a disruption in the governance of digital. Uh, systems and, and this is for me the the most important part of all that has been uh, built in the, in the web3 uh, community correct me if i'm wrong but you got there being naive and with a lot yeah. of humility <laughs> i'm just wondering <laughs> did you meet with some physical people you know that uh, either challenged you on your vision or maybe asked you new questions that uh, you didn't ask yourself and and yeah so first of all, the, the, the beauty of uh, open source is that everything is public. So the code is public, but uh, more than the code, it's all the discussion that uh, make, create the condition for, for changing some code and, uh, and, and creating no projects. All these discussions are public. Okay. So you can, you can really be um, involved in all the, uh, the, the, the discussion, the brainstorming that leads to, uh, to a solution. When you say it's public, where is it public? Like GitHub and, okay, and on all, GitHub, all the Reddit and, and uh, all the stuff. And like, you know, okay. the, the, the whole Web3 today is, mm -hmm. um, of course, there are, there are teams that internally uh, design um, new, new iteration and new mm -hmm. features, but a large part of what is built today is built, of course, on GitHub, but also on Twitter yeah, okay. and, and on Discord it's and a, it's all a, these places. Okay, it's nuggets from work from personal people yeah. like 
You try everywhere. something, okay. you try something, you experience some problems, someone else will say, oh, yeah, here, you can solve it this way or this way. Okay. The, 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 the time is going very fast. As you can see, I'm quite curious on a lot of subjects, <laughs> but let's go deeper into Web3. I'm just trying. So you said you're a strong, strong believer of Web3 and the blockchain. I think we understood a bit through governance, but how this idea evolved in your head and um, if you want to go like very specifically to uh, the use case that you're tackling with mm. Oriani. So first, um, most of the interaction we have at a personal or professional level happens through platforms, digital screens, uh, essentially since the COVID time, mm -hmm. um, and it's worldwide. So for me, that, that's fascinating to see that much inter interaction happening through a filter and the filters are Facebook, Google, Twitter um, that just suggest you some contents, suggest you some interaction, suggest you uh, um, a framework to collaborate, to communicate with other people and all those tiny choices. So every single part and, and, and parameter in an algorithm that sort out some content. Mm -hmm. um, every every format that it chooses uh, for whatever reason is it will just have an influence on all the human beings on earth on the way that they process information and um, and for me that's too much. It's too much uh, too much responsibility it's too much. Plus, I don't think that there are people who are in charge of trying to think about the consequences and the impact for democracy and for information in general. Well, they, they do when a problem happens. Yeah. They are not proactive, they are more reactive on that. Yeah, but, but yeah. they do internally, they do with their own uh, KPIs and targets. Yeah. And uh, of course, sometimes the, the regulation will constrain and build some, some walls, but the reality is that those startups, those companies, it's not startup anymore, but they are built um, to make profit, full stop. And, and those and companies created new markets, new habits, new yeah, trends, yeah, yeah. and that's and okay, where you... I'm very liberal, so mm -hmm. uh, making profit is, 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 is a good thing. But the problem with, with the setup of those companies is uh, they, they want to have more engagement, they want to have more places to display advertising. So this is not aligned um, with the user choice this is not this is not actually the user don't choose anything mm -hmm. um, and even the competition cannot happen anymore so the market is not playing his role mm -hmm. uh, fully uh, with with uh, with hegemonic uh, platform so for me the starting point is we need to change and the answer to that is probably that the reason why we are on facebook and twitter and we cannot very escape and we are it's extremely sticky is because your social graph, your habits, your content are inside and you don't have the opportunity to take this content and to use it somewhere else. It's everything opposed to open source. <laughs> this is, yeah, and, and, to, um, and to ownership. So my followers, your followers uh, on Twitter, if you want to use it on, on Instagram, this is just not possible. Mm -hmm. um, and for reasons that we can understand because they are competing, but for the user, that means that they are stuck into this, this platform. So for me, the, the step number one to try to, um, to escape and to solve this, uh, this problem is to make sure that the user are in possession or in control of their own data. Today, we are just users of our data through a platform. Tomorrow, what we want to do with Web3 is to make sure that you own your data. So if you want to move your data and to use it somewhere else, you can. And I'm just like about to say, but let's remember that if we don't pay anything, you're the product. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And if it's not us, it's our data. But yeah, yeah. But um, this is not the the worst thing in that in that environment. The worst thing is that you cannot move. Mm -hmm. It's not just that we monetize your time and your attention, but it's you don't have the choice where you you spend your attention and your time. Because you, you, if if you want to um, 
to have a real-time interaction with other people. It's, it's Twitter. There is no alternative. Um, and by the way, Twitter is a good example. Today, it's owned by one person. We're just tricking the algorithm on a daily basis for his own ego. And the consequences for, for the, 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 the sharing of knowledge, information, and uh, is dramatic. If Jack were, was here, Jack Dorsey, what would you have told him prior to selling to, uh, to Elon Musk? I, I think that, unfortunately, the design, as long as the company was public, it was not possible to change the model. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, to, to, I think we need to rebuild. At, at one point, if you cannot change how it works, you, you need to rebuild something. And it's very the, the ground level layers of, of the, the and the architecture of the um, of the, um, the system that is not aligned with the um, the user needs mm -hmm. and uh, and and the, the willingness to be to be free with our data so first thing we need to build tech to make sure that uh, the user Owns. regain control mm -hmm. over their data and after that if you do that that means that the platform you use are not in a position to um, to decide for you how you, you will receive the information. If your post, all your content, all your data, all your social graph, your identity is owned by you, that means that you can, you can take everything, go to another platform and say, actually, I don't want this algorithm. I don't want an, another algorithm. I want to see at first mm -hmm. the post from, I don't know, and you can change actually the rules. That means that no platform can have such leverage on you that it could um, it could force you to uh, to publish and to read this or this content. And you can see me coming from miles away, but how Ariane helps in that? So with Ariane, what we choose there are two tracks. So whether you try to build new products for end user uh, to uh, to choose a new alternative for for the the tools they use. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to do it, but I think that very few people understand um, the, and, and will we'll find um, sufficient enough improvement from what they use with, uh, with Twitter or Facebook to move to another platform. Um, so I believe that there are a core community of real believers that will do it, mm -hmm. but for most of the people, they won't. Uh, the other track is to say, okay, we'll not try to chase and to convince the end user because it's, it's very, very difficult to do it. Um, we'll try to see where are, where the, the money that is the fuel of the big platforms is coming from. Ads. We'll try to redirect. Um, Isn't it ads? Of course. Okay. That mean brands. Mm -hmm. So the brands mm -hmm. that pays for the connection with the users. And... I don't know exactly, but 95% of the revenue at Facebook are coming from brands. Mm -hmm. um, so our play with Ariane is uh, to build all the technology that the, the brands use and will use to recreate a direct relation with their customer and to make sure that they are not dependent anymore on a platform like Facebook or Google. And this technology is very simple, we leverage NFTs as a connection. And those NFTs can represent the ownership of a product or a membership for something or a proof of attendance or whatever can represent a link and a common thing between a brand and a, and, and a client. Do you believe at some point that us as end users, but I'm talking about me and you also, we will have this kind of, you know, a single token that represents our digital portfolio of all the data and accreditation and, you know, subscription mm -hmm. that we have. Um, this is um, this is live today. So it's happening now. But it's not democratized uh, that not, much. Not that much, but um, with IANI, we will issue something between 10 and 25 or 35 million NFTs this year. Okay. Which means million and million of people will will use mm -hmm. a decentralized technology uh, to have 
a relation, a connection with a brand. And of course, this is an exponential. Uh, we just released, uh, I think, a million NFT last year. So the acceleration is, is happening now. And um, those tokens, those NFTs, represent many things. So your identity, a product you bought, and link to this product, maybe the warranty, maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, some services attached to the product. Even the usage of the products sometimes. Of course. Like Tesla, if you use an electric yeah. car. Yeah. And an example, uh, you attend to a conference, uh, more and more you will get an NFT for attending to this conference. So it's basically personal data. And it's a form of personal data that is not comparable to what we used to have on Facebook or, but it's it, it's the equivalent of a like or a follow mm -hmm. at some point. So we can recreate this social graph just by distributing NFTs that represent a social interaction and, uh, and that have a value over time. So with Ayani, we build the technology to make this happening at scale and make sure that the brands just have to plug our system to the existing CRM and the existing information system they use and just use Web3 technology uh, at scale for the, the client relation. By the way, we try to abstract all the complexity of using a blockchain, of using a, block, uh, a token, our users, so, um, the user, sorry, the, the, the clients of the brand don't have to buy a cryptocurrency to, mm -hmm. to do it. They don't need to create a wallet and all the complexity of creating a wallet and, and, and the custody of the, uh, the asset. Everything is abstracted as much as possible. They, they only see the, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, which and, is they really don't, intuitive. and they don't need to know that it's an NFT. Okay. If they want to understand how it works, it's totally open. They can, they can see ask. everything. Of course. If they want to take the, uh, the the asset they have and put it in another wallet, they are totally free to do it. But that creates a condition for the both the, the, the brands and the users, mm -hmm. the clients, to be in control of their data. Very clear. And my last question about that is very much related to Ariane, but what are the KPIs that you can share? At Ariane? Yeah. I just show it, by the way. <laughs> no, you said you said you did like uh, already a million of uh, of um, sorry NFTs and and multiply and by ten or, or thirty uh, this year. How many clients? Fifty clients. Okay. Only big corporate. Okay, big corp. Okay. Yes. So that's big, like big corporate. Ah, big. Okay. <laughs> they can oh. be big corp, by the way. No. <laughs> okay, because I know no. it's not that easy to get. No, we started. <laughs> okay, big We started with a luxury market. Um, and uh, on this market, we work with uh, the Groupe Richemont, uh, uh, with Kering, with, uh, with uh, Breitling, with Montclair. Okay. Uh, we wanted to start with this kind of company for different reasons. The first is um, it's very valuable product. That means that the, um, the trust you have with the brand and uh, the willingness um, to uh, to use new technologies and new uh, mm -hmm. new way to interact is totally aligned uh, with uh, with those brands. The second thing, they are global brands, more global than a Facebook, by the way. Really? Uh, yeah, because they are sold all over the world, including China, including mm. all this this area where, generally speaking, in the digital, uh, you don't have access to. Okay. So we are today delivering Web3 technology all over the world with no boundaries. Um, the other thing is um, we wanted to have um, people who are really looking for a new way to create trust in the digital uh, environment. And definitely luxury brands were very early at that. And my last question, because you have not answered that. Well, I didn't ask it specifically. How much uh, money did you raise? Did you raise? Yeah, uh, 25 million so far. Excellent. This is basically my intro to the last part of this podcast. We're going to go a bit quickly because, um, well, now you know myself and I'm quite curious. <laughs> so yeah, we took a bit too, too much time on other topics, but this is fine. I want to know about Business Angel. So you invested in 150 startups. My question is very simple. Why? Why 150 startups? And how do you manage to f to invest in that much startups? So you said, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, it 
been 10 to 15 years that yeah, you have been in the... Yeah, 15 years. That, that's the reason why it... Uh, okay, 10 per so year, but still, it's, it's one per month, more or yeah. less. It's it's a question of uh, who I who I meet. So it's only <laughs> about human, like not only, but this is the, the biggest reason why you would invest is the human fit. Yeah, I, I probably have some exception, but... Um, uh, the, the vast majority of uh, of all the investment I've made uh, were decided because I, I meet people that uh, I like mm-hmm. or or people who uh, I used to work with that suddenly uh, decide to create a, a startup or a company. Um, so it's it's very a question of ecosystem and network. Are so you an opportunist? Would you say that you're not uh, looking for? Are you looking for investment opportunities or this no. those? No, no, it's, it's very, yourself. it's very. Um, so when you build something, you are surrounded by people who are building something mm-hmm. also. So uh, uh, it's just when you see people that are really good, uh, or you think are very good and uh, and skilled, uh, creating a, a new project. If it's a topic or if it's technology I, I like, I want to be a part of, so in you- some way and share some something with with this uh, this adventure. But 150 is still a big number. <laughs> so I can imagine that you have met 150 people and way more in your life that were interesting. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, is it at some point a kind of return on investment that you're seeking or are you a philanthropist? No, philanthropy, I think, is not uh, is not thing when you do uh, investments. If you invest... Bill Gates in... isn't a philanthropist. Yeah, but you, you can, you can fund, foundation, you but, can fund yeah. some initiative and, and you don't want to have a specific uh, return of investment on it. But when you invest and you get shares of a company... This is capitalistic. The, so, yeah. the, the thing is, it, even though you, you are not calculating what kind of uh, return of investment you will, you will make, mm-hmm. you want the company to succeed. You want the entrepreneur to succeed. You want the project to go live and, and, to, and to be a success. Mm-hmm. And, and just this is a normal way that uh, a successful project at one point, uh, create value for the shareholders, but I'm not. I'm not investing, or really rarely investing, um, uh, with the criteria of uh, okay, I think this business uh, is 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 a good bet because of profitability, because the truth is that starting a company is so hard that the the probability uh, with just the idea and the business model you have in front of you to become a reality. Is very low, so I like to invest when I, I think that the the founder, the uh, the team, is uh, animated uh, mm-hmm. and motivated by by very good values and and good uh, and good vision, but but because they have all the uh, the ingredient to 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 do it, that will succeed eventually. Um, but it's not just looking for business models or. If you do that, if you want to, to look for um, um, profitable investments, you should watch other class, actually, or other stage uh, for a company because it's easier to spot a company that already found its market fit mm-hmm. and has, um, has the potential to grow and to invest into those companies rather than trying to invest very, very early stage. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to edit this podcast as we went way over time. <laughs> but this is my bad, sorry. Okay, my, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to ask you two or three questions. In French, we say du tac au tac. But I have no idea how to say that in English. So let's say quick questions. My first question is simple. What's the best skills, the best quality traits of an entrepreneur according to you? Uh, I think there are many answers possible, but for me, it's humility. I knew it. <laughs> and uh, you want to explain very briefly why? Um, just because in the context of innovation, uh, when you innovate, you have to be able to question yourself all the time if you are on the good track, if what you decided two days ago is still valid or not, and you need to iterate very rapidly. And this is called humility, I think. What's your unpopular opinion about tech entrepreneurship investment web3 anything that we discussed for the past hour um i think that so i re, I'm, I'm a big believer in web3 and and, um, and de- decentralization or at least distribution mm-hmm. i don't think there is a new google or facebook in this whole paradigm 
And I believe that if Web3 is, is a real success, we'll not see platforms and, and companies with such a scale that we experience with the last iteration. And it seems to me that people are looking for the next Google. I think it doesn't exist. It's the mic drop, but you don't <laughs> have it in your hand. Um, last question, I promise. If not Oriony, what startup would you build tomorrow? What kind of startup? So I think that um, in a world where you, you, you have so much fake news and uh, I would I would work on how to uh, create content and um, and make sure that this content can be commented, uh, discussed with experts uh, to have a kind of reference for the odd topic of uh, of that we that we discuss in the news. Because mm -hmm. I see here that um, if we really want to solve at scale the and, and, and the big problems we have to uh, to face the the real challenges about environment, energy, all that thing, there there is so much um, so much confusion. I would want to to work on that topic, but I had no idea how to solve it. But definitely, we we, we need to find a solution. And uh, I remember you saying that you need to be naive also to succeed. I feel that you are naive in this. Oh, candid, yes. So <laughs> maybe your next company, I don't know. Thank you so much. Did you have time? A uh, good time, sorry, Fred. Oh, yes, a lot. Yes. Yeah. Again, thank you, Frédéric, for your time. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, don't hesitate to ping us on LinkedIn. Thank you and uh, see you in two weeks. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening until the end. If you have enjoyed this episode, don't hesitate to let us know by leaving a review and sharing this episode with three of your friends. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, we wish you great success in your projects and do not forget, it's a marathon, not a sprint.